All right, so we are we are continuing our conversation in Perek Chavav. Um, I did a little bit more research on this line because I feel like this line is the key line. I know I keep on coming back to it, but one of the things that I saw yesterday with regards to the phrase Mikol Nidnud Daiga, right? That Nidnud, I need an Israeli here. Yosef, you're an Israeli. How do you say a, a seesaw? A seesaw is a, I think it's called a Nad Nadna. Nad Nada. Nid Nada. Nid Nada. What? Yeah. How do you call it? Say it again. Nad Nada. Right? So it's the idea, it's a very similar concept to what we have here. It's this idea of the seesaw is constantly going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And and it fits in very beautifully to our conversation that we've been having with regards to what takes us away from the Simcha, which is this idea of the Daiga. Right, the daiga, the worries that is constantly plaguing our minds. Now, this fits in very nicely, and we're going to see as we go through also the uh, conversation today into what we were talking about last night in the Kuntus Avoida class, which is this idea that recognizing that our minds are 50% of the time not where we are. In other words, our minds are constantly constantly going, number one, backwards into the past, and number two, forwards into the future. And obviously, and I mean, I know I, I experience this, I'm sure everyone else experiences it, when we're thinking about the past, a lot of times we're thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done it this way, could have handled it that way better, I could have done this better, I could have done that better, I could have, right, or that was good, maybe that, maybe not, well, what's going to happen with this, right? The future is all about... Okay, what's going to be? How is this going to work out? How am I going to go? Am I going to go to this school, that school? Am I going to do this profession, that profession? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? Am I going to, all right, or I have to do this, I have to do this. I, you know, I make a list of, you know, I'm, you're sitting there and, you know, sitting in, in Gemara class and you're thinking about uh, what's going to be for lunch. Is it going to be like this? Is it going to be like that? Is it going to be, uh, or what I have to do later on today? Oh, I have, I have this whole list. And you start making lists of things that you have to do in your brain. And, and a lot of it is this, this daiga that is constantly coming into us, that the Nefesh of Bahamias is trying to bring about in us of constantly back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth mm-hmm. over and over and over and over again, not allowing us to be present, not allowing us to be in the Gemara classroom, in the Gemara class, in the Hasidic classroom, in the Hasidic class, in davening, most importantly, when we're supposed to be davening. I mean, how many of us can say that we could dive in an entire page of any part of the Siddur without our minds wandering somewhere else? Very few, I would imagine, right? The point being that we need practice on this. And, uh, and then we have to come back to this concept, Mir Hashem, as we're going to go through these next uh, you know, bunch of chapters. But recognizing that in ourselves is already the beginning of the solving of this issue. Just even recognizing that this is what's going on. And that's what is, even in, in science today, right? I was uh, looking into this a little bit, and you could see that it says that people are 50% of the time not where they are, and Dafka, this is what's causing, and just talking about in, in the secular world, nothing to do with what I'm talking about in Tanya, but obviously everything is connected in some way, right? Why people are so, generally speaking, unhappy. And when are they the happiest? Dafka, when they are, in fact, doing whatever they're doing. In other words, when they're present, 
with whatever it is, whatever happens to be that they're involved in, but they're present with that thing. Now, this is according to modern day science. Take a look 200 years earlier, the Alter Rebbe is saying here that what's causing us all these issues is Nidnu Daiga, that's constantly this back and forth and back and forth, this worry, which the Nefesh of Ahamias is try, trying to drive home with us, as opposed to the Nefesh of Lakis. Now, continuing with what we left off yesterday, is this idea of, well, is it really true that the objective in Yiddishkeit, right, or not the objective, but the precursor, <coughs> as the Alter Rebbe seems to be bringing out here, is in fact Simcha, when we know that for many generations, really, the objective was that a person had to uh, take on a serious uh, you know, approach to life and a very, uh, maybe even a stern look at life and a, you know, a heavy look at life. And in fact, we have even a Pasuk from Shlomo Melech, which seems to be saying, point, point, you know, punk this exact point, right? Now he's saying, oh, you see, the Pasuk says, Bechol Eitzah be a mutter, you know, so we see very clearly that through being in a state of Eitzah, being in a state of this depression or heaviness or whatever, however you want to term it, is a very, very positive thing. So, Alter Rebbe, what are you going to do with that? Right, you know, so it's like he's, you know, we're, thro- we're throwing a bomb at him and let's see how he's going to handle this. So the Alter Rebbe, as we started yesterday, describes. Let's let's go back. Right, that you would think maybe at pashup shot level that there is something positive to being in this heavy state, this state of kavdus. Right, that maybe this is a positive thing. So the Alter Rebbe comes along to to clarify for us. Right, Mila. That what if you look at the sentence more carefully, you will notice that the sentence itself is telling us that the aids the, the, the depression itself or the melancholy itself does not have a Mila. Only that what? That from this melancholy can potentially come and will potentially come some sort of advantage. How do you see that from it says, Behold, it's a, yeah, it will be future. Mutter, something positive will come out of it. Right? And that's what he says. Right? Namely, the Simcha Emisis Right? Okay, so we have to really unpack this sentence a little bit here. Um, so, first thing that should really pop up in your mind are two words that he throws in here that comes out pretty loud and clear. Which two words are we what seeing here? What? Sometimes. Okay, that's also true. But the two words that I see that are, that are jumping out at me is the word emisi. Right? Now, what is this basis of what he's talking about here? He's talking about a simcha emisi, right? And then he's talking also about the opposite, an eitzvah emisi. In other words... Uh, that implies to us that there is there could be a simcha that's not an emissary simcha. And there's a, so to speak, a melancholy, which is not an emissary melancholy. Right? So we, so the Alter Rebbe is trying to get at something here. So the first thing to look at is this idea of a simcha emisi. So by definition, we have to recognize that, that there is more than a, a simcha um, that there are there are a lot of quote unquote simchas out there in the world, but lab dafka are they emisi, 
which means that many people have in mind that there are objectives in lives, in their lives, which they think are going to bring them to happiness, but in fact are punkt verkehrt, right? And essentially what we're talking about is the, the general approach to the Nefesh Bahamis, which is filling our minds, is that by having all this amazing thing, you know, stuff, basically, we are going to be happy. If we win the lottery, if we get a, this great job, if we, uh, you know, marry the most beautiful woman, if we, uh, you know, what, whatever it is in our minds that are, are, you know, so to speak, penetrating within us, right, that the Nefesh of Bahamis is trying to, in fact, trying to paint the picture in our minds that if only I will, you know, finish this uh, whatever thing, then I'm going to be just so happy. I remember like in college, when we were in college, you know, we were all excited that if we could just get past the midterm, you know, then we're going to like really live life, you know, it'll be really great. And then we finish the midterm and then it's like, oh, you have the paper to do. Okay, if only I'll finish the paper, then I'll be like really happy. Oh, you have finished the paper. Oh, now your finals. If only I'll finish the final, then I'll be, that's when I'll be able to really live. I'll be really, uh, you know, and then something else comes along. Right? In other words, our minds, by definition, are being run by the Nefesh of Bahamias in this manner of wanting all this, you know, great, quote-unquote, stuff. But, it, but the question that I would put forth to all of us is, is this great stuff really making us happy? And the answer, obviously, according to uh, not only Hasidus, but according to science nowadays, is the answer is no. The answer is, in fact, very much no. Um, to the extent that um, I think that you know there 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 was a there was a, an experiment that they did recently that um, that people that were they, they I guess they they pinged people you know what that means I, I don't I'm trying to figure out so what that means but apparently what they would do is they would text people that they had all these uh, all these people um, you know uh, they signed up for this study. Um, and they would ping them over the course of the day, and you know they had you know simple questions. You know, are you happy now? Are you this now? Are you, you know, what, what are you feeling now? And all these different things. And you know, if I were to go along and I would say to you, or to me, and you know, well, what what would really you know at the course of the day, what would really make you happy? You know, what would really make you enjoyable? And most of us would say, you know, relaxing. Uh, you know, doing something that's like really, you know, calming me down or like, you know, in the secular world, it would be like uh, the, one of the things that they were using was, you know, like sitting back and watching a video or, you know, like things like this. And the opposite of that would be like at, being at work or whatever. Uh, you know, for sure, I want to just like, you know, I want to not go to work today or I want to have like free time or now and have it. And in fact, what they found was that uh, most of the time when a person was in what they call a flow state, Right, was Dafka when they were being challenged and they were rising to the challenge of whatever it was there that they you know have the potential to be able to be doing. And so, in fact, most of the time, people that were really in this flow state, this happy state, was when they were in the middle of working. And Dafka when they were sitting back and they were watching uh, Netflix or whatever they were doing, it was a time when, in fact, they were like quite you know pretty bored actually. Like not so excited, not so happy, not so, you know. You th- so this is a perfect example of where our brains are trying to, to convince us that, you know, by like sitting back and relaxing and kicking, you know, kicking back and watching a video or something like that, that this is what's going to make us really happy. And in fact, it's the opposite. 
And in fact, what, what, what they saw was that there are essentially three different areas. I mentioned this, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Three different areas that people are driving for. And one of those areas is this idea of just going after all these temporary pleasures, which are, you know, physical pleasures, gosh, me stick of things, et cetera, et cetera, which is where most of us spend most of our time. Then the second level was this idea of this flow state. And the third idea was doing something like quite meaningful or having a meaningful uh, uh, scenario that takes place. And which is... Which, this is, you know, finally the secular world of science is coming around to what Hasidus has been saying for generations, right? So the idea is that, in fact, we spend most of our time and we think that what's going to make us happiest is going after all of these, you know, so to speak, fun experiences or this, this stuff of this gashmias of, you know, getting a brand new car or a brand new huge house or, you know, whatever. And really, it, it winds up in... in you know, in the, in the studies, it winds up being the least uh, gratifying, the least satisfying out of everything. And in fact, the flow state is much, much higher on the list and even higher than anything else is this third level of what, what they called um, a meaningful, uh, doing something quite meaningful uh, that is obviously, uh, you know, beyond uh, oneself. To the extent that they gave it, they made it very interesting, they did an experiment uh, in Vancouver, the University of British Columbia made this experiment that they gave people either $5 or $20. Yeah, I told you this experiment before, but they gave people $5 or $20, and they said to a certain group of people, you have to dafka spend it on yourself. And to the other group, they said, you have to dafka spend it on someone else. And across the board, people that spent it on other people were genuinely happier. And then they said, well, maybe that's only because you're dealing with, you know, British Columbia, which is a pretty rich place, and so it's like pretty irrelevant, $5 for most people there, or even $20, you know. What about, so they, so they redid the experiment in Uganda, where $5 or $20 is a major, you know, could pay for serious amount of food or medical things for people. And in fact, they saw the exact same uh, results, even in a place like Uganda. So even in the secular world now, we're, try- we're seeing that there's a distinction between what my mind thinks is going to be bringing me happiness and what in fact does bring me happiness. And so now turn this back. So even if the secular world has come to this point, so now let's go back to what the Alter Rebbe is saying. And what the Alter Rebbe is saying, a simcha emisi, right? A simcha emisi means what? Well, if you look on chapter Lamed Gimel, we're not going to look at it together, but you can look at it in, in your time in a minute, you know, in, when you have the time to do Hazara. He talks about a simcha emisi as being this true connection with the Abishter, being karav, feeling a, a closeness to Hashem. A closeness to Hashem is what is going to bring a person to a true feeling of simcha, which, in other words, is actually feeling your neshama. That when you feel your neshama, when it's not blocked, the pathways are not blocked, right? You're able to feel your neshama. That's when you are feeling this tremendous, tremendous feelings of happiness. Not when you buy Mercedes Benz, right? Which you think might give you tremendous happiness because you've been saving for all these years to buy Mercedes Benz. And what happens is very, and, and this is, you know, studied, is that, yeah, you might be like really happy for, you know, whatever it is, 30 seconds or maybe even, you know, a, you know, a day. But 
it becomes very, very, the, the curve drops off very quickly. As we've all seen in everything that we've all gone after, we've always, you know, all of us have gone after physical things, and we've noticed that within a very short period of time, we get very used to it. And therefore, it doesn't bring us the happiness that we thought, or for sure, not the happiness that we got when we first got it or anything like that. It just totally levels off. Masha'enkin asimcha emisi is something that is a driving force that is going to open up my neshama. That is going to really give me the happiness that I'm looking for in life, which is going to obviously open me up to all of what I'm doing down here in this world. Now, he brings afterwards that this could come out, that this comes out from an atzav emisi. Now, what's an atzav emisi? Now, there are many things that we think are going to make us very sad. And in fact, don't. Like they did an experiment with, with college kids that they thought that if they were going to get this very low grade on, you know, on, in their report cards, you know, and they rated it what their thoughts were that they would feel about it. And then they did the actual. And they found that really uh, their thought was that they were going to, you know, it was going to be the worst situation in the whole world and they were going to go crashing down or whatever. And in fact, they were, you know, quite resilient and quite like it was. It was basically fine, right? So there are a lot of things that we think if I'm not going to get, you know, take advantage of this sale, or if I'm not going to get this or get that, or many things that we think are going to, you know, cause us to be very much uh, in in a depressed state. In fact, if we realize it, many things we adjust very quickly. And we're able to go through. So what is the Eitzev Emisi that he's talking about here? It means recognizing the things that I may have done that have caused there to be a, a divider between me and Hashem. When I recognize that there are things that I have done in my life or I'm doing in my life that have caused there to be this blockage, that have caused there to be this inherent uh, separation between God and me, Right? That should cause me to be in a state of a brokenness. And that brokenness then is not the result of I want to stay in that brokenness. No, the brokenness winds up being a, a, a tool to break out the, the blockages that exist within me. Those blockages, like we said before, when we were talking about it yesterday, is those are the blockages that are not allowing the Mayach Shalat Alev, that are not allowing the Nefesh Alukis to run the show. So what he says over here, when he says, B'mar Nafsho, that bitterness of the, of the soul, V'lev Nishbar, what he's saying essentially is that there's a very big difference between what we're going to call in Hasidic literature depression and bitterness. In English, depression is that you can't get up in the morning. Bitterness is that you can't go to sleep at night. That you're upset with yourself. How can I have stepped on my friend's toe? How could I have hurt my friend? How could I have done this to him? That is not, that is not a depression, but it's a, 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 a feeling in oneself that is breaking me that says, I can't believe I did that. Why did I do that? That I want to... But that is a, a chayis. That is not a, a, like we said yesterday, a, sta- a state of melancholy or a state of, of laziness or heaviness. That's something that's not going to let me fall asleep because I am so, I can't believe that I did this to my friend. Which 
activates a methodology of change in me. Masha Enkain, the idea of depression is an egotistical energy, which is how could this be happening to me? Which makes me say, why should I wake up in the morning? What do I gain by this deal of waking up in the morning? I am better off just turning over and going back to sleep because I have nothing to live for, so to speak. It's a totally different energy. So what the Alter Rebbe shows here is, yes, there is a Pasuk that talks about the idea of, right, this, so to speak, melancholy. But the idea is not the melancholy that we think it is. It's a tool that can be used and should be used. And then I want to bring back the point that Moshe brought out, that it said over here, Mizumanim, Le'esim Mizumanim, specific times. This is not a this is not a tool that is meant to be used constantly. This is a tool that's meant to be used at specific times in order to break us out of maybe a, a state that we're in currently in order to allow the nefesh alokis to mamish flow inside of me. You following what I'm saying? So that's what he's saying here. So this is yet what we're trying to bring out here is that this breaks this idea that we thought Perhaps that really the way in Yiddishkeit is an idea of, yes, that it's appropriate to be this heavy, melancholy, depressed person. Adarabah, it's dafka not. That even the Pasuk, when you read the Pasuk correctly, the way the Alter Rebbe is explaining the Pasuk, it shows us what it's supposed to be used for. What are you breaking? Not that you're breaking your heart. You're breaking the spirit of Tumah. Right, going back to what we said in the first section. Because the opposite of tahara, the opposite of life is tuma, which is death. So you have to get away sometimes. There has to be a way to break through a heaviness, a tuma, a death that's hanging over a person. So yes, for that time and for that, for that experience, you have to have a certain medicine that's going to work. This is the medicine that works for that. It's not meant to be used all day long. Sometimes a person is so sick that they have to use something called the antibiotics. Then the antibiotics kill a lot of, you know, a lot of things. But it's being used specifically as an aimed missile to try to target something in order to in order to break us out of that thing in order to allow us to to live so yes, it's true that we have a Pusik that's dealing with this. But the Pusik is very specific in what it's supposed to be used for. It's a missile. What's the missile accomplishing? The missile is accomplishing a very specific goal of breaking through the Tuma, which is not allowing my Nefesh Alokis to shine inside of me. And when my Nefesh Alokis is not shining inside of me, so what am I feeling? I'm feeling heaviness, I'm feeling this melancholy, I'm feeling this depression. Masha'enkin, when I use this missile, it breaks through the Ruach HaTumah. And then I can start living in a way that I'm supposed to be living again. Now, that missile is not meant to be used all day long. That missile is used once a day. You take antibiotics once a day. That's it. You're not supposed to take it every, uh, every 30 minutes. And he says very specifically here, uh, right? And Right, the Sitra Acher, which we've been talking about, this, this iron blockage, this iron wall, 
the Iron Curtain, so to speak. That's where it comes from, the Iron Curtain, the Mechitza Shobarzel, right? Which is Mafsekis, which is stopping, which is blocking between him and his Father in Heaven. Because the Emissor Simcha, like he's going to explain in Parak Lamed Gimel, is Dafka when you have this incredible relationship with the Abishter, when you're feeling Hashem in your life 24 7. But sometimes we get blocked up. Sometimes the, the, the channels, the wires are crossed. And so, yes, in those times, we need to break through the Ruach HaTumah. We have to break through the, the, uh, the, the Mechitza Shobarzel, the Iron Curtain, so to speak. Right? That's what the Pasuk means in, in chapter seven, uh, 51, Nun Aleph, that we say every single night during Kriyashma. Right? That the idea is to break through that. And sometimes you need to break through it. Now, when is the specific time? We have to end with this and we'll continue Mitzvah Hashem on Sunday morning. The specific time to do that would be Dafka Kriyashma Shalomita, or as he's going to bring here, the idea of Tikkun Chatzos. That this is a time that we do evaluate what's going on. And we have to take a record and we have to take a reckoning and an accounting of what's happening, where, where I'm holding in life. And then it's appropriate that I have to sometimes use this missile to break through. But the other 23 and a half hours during the daytime is not the time for it. That's a time of being completely just in the state of simcha. Yeah? Uh, why did the Rebbe say this isn't really the light of our, of our generation? The Tikkun Chatzois. Krishma is, it is, it is, it is, for sure. But well, let's, let's discuss that in Mirza Hashem. Uh, in the next coming episode. But I want to just conclude with this one point. The, the point that I want to conclude with is that what, what the Rebbe has shown here, uh, without any shadow of a doubt, is that there is no place to think that the avoda of a Jew is an avoda of depression or heaviness or melancholy. That is the opposite. That the avoda is an avoda of simcha. So now, what we have to go from here, which we'll start on Sunday morning, is we have to first explain how to use this missile. And then we have to start coming up with the different pieces of advice of how the Alter Rebbe is going to help us to show us that what are the things that are causing us to, uh, to fall into this state of depression or melancholy and how we're going to... How we're going to um, to challenge them and how we're going to keep them out of our life and how we're going to focus on this life of simcha, which is really what we need to do in order to make everything else work. Okay, that's where we have to go to, Mirza Hashem, on, uh, on Sunday. Okay, we'll stop here.